Let's turn to the Scriptures, please. Psalm 139. <clears throat> Psalm 139, please. Just lift a few verses out, but we'll be uh, looking more in depth to this psalm as the evening progresses. Psalm 139, verse 13, please. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Oh, precious, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. You know, the Lord will add the blessing to that reading of his own word, but let's just bow in a word of prayer again. Father, take our, our hearts and even as our brother has already prayed, may they be open to you. Take our thoughts, Lord, and rid them of things that would distract us tonight. And Lord, we ask you that you would help us to understand your word. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to every one of us, not only here, but all who would watch here and listen online. We ask you, oh God, that you would turn and change hearts. Lord, let us hear the voice of the unborn child. Let us hear it with pity and with love. Help us, Lord, to awaken out of our slumber, to awaken out of our sleep. Glorify your Son in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just this last week, I had a, this scripture, Psalm 139, impressed upon me. And as it was impressed upon me, I struggled with it somewhat because a few weeks ago at Bible study, I did a study on the psalm. And I thought, Lord, I've already done something this quite recently. But then I seen two uh, news bulletins, as it were, and they vexed me, really vexed me. And as I read this, the Lord showed me afresh. And he says, son, this is the voice of the unborn child. This is the voice of the unborn child. Those uh, articles that vexed me, one of them was in the Washington Post. And the title goes like this. Clergy gather to bless one of the only U.S. clinics performing late-term abortions. It was on the 29th of January that this article was written, and I have it here, but I'll just pick out bits and pieces that I've underlined for time's sake. 
the Reverend Carton Vesey's task as he led a prayer, it says of him, in Bethesda on Monday, he quotes and he says at this abortion clinic, God of grace and God of glory in whom we move and live. And they're about to bless abortion. He then goes on to state in his opening prayer, for the well-being of, doc- of the doctor and nurses who facilitate abortions at a clinic here, and for their patients, listen to what he says, keep them safe and keep them strong, and may they always know that all that they do is for thy glory. Vizi, one of the four Christian pastors and one Jewish rabbi, gathered to bless this event and this clinic. There was a Hindu priest who had blessed other abortion clinics was to be there, but he was unable to make it. The Catholic charities uh, turned Virginia's courts, or pardon me, pardon me Virginia, Virginia's county's abortion clinic into now a free medical facility. Jewish rabbinic authorities started with the Middle Ages says that a fetus is not a person. Said Rabbi Charles Feinberg, who has retired from Aras Israel Synagogue. After participating in the ceremony, we quote him, Judaism has always said abortion is never murder. It may not be permitted depending on the circumstances, how far along the pregnancy is, how seriously ill the mother is to be, but it is never murder. It only becomes that once the baby is born. They go on to say at their ceremony that many women who seek abortions are people of faith, listen, who pray about their decision before they come. If they truly prayed about their decision, they'd realize the Lord would say no. Here we also have Vizi, who was a Baptist pastor, spoke about the illegal and the moral basis of pro-abortion rights. I quote, The Supreme Court affirmed a woman's right to choose an abortion. But before the Supreme Court did it, God had already done it. This is a Baptist pastor says that the Supreme Court affirmed a woman's right to choose for an abortion, but God had already given her that choice to be able to do that. This is what this pastor, Baptist pastor has said. Listen to what he says. God had already done it because it affirms a woman's moral agency. He preached... And several of the clinic staff members hummed, Amen. Feinberg also characterized the right to an abortion as a question of religious freedom. If a woman believes abortion is ethical, the government shouldn't keep her from the procedure. He said, it is not the business of the government. It is the role of every religious tradition and its teachers, its ministers and rabbis to give that advice. And we do. And still, and still, it will be legalized. And the people will love to have it so. 
a symbol of sanctification. The clergy came that day and sprinkled water in each room where the abortions would take place. And even out in the parking lot, which Reverend Corey Jackson described as a space of tremendous decision-making, we give honor to all of these women who choose to come to this place, said Jackson, an ordained minister of the United Church of Christ who served in the United Methodist and Presbyterian Church of the United States Congregation. She goes on to say, we sanctify this space and we honor this as holy. This happened on Monday past in the United States. The Republic of Ireland are about to have a change in their, the Eighth Amendment to the abortion laws as they go to uh, have a referendum on it. One of the main uh, people who are running for it is Ireland's first openly lesbian minister for children. And this is what she says. Her name is Catherine Saponi. And she defended her support of abortion and denied the humanity of babies in the womb. This is in Dublin. The Iona Institute tweeted a video of Sapone responding to a question about whether there is an inherent contradiction in her campaigning for abortion while also claiming to represent the interests of children. This is what she says. I quote, I believe that the fetus holds the potential for human life that develops over time. And I think my views in relation to abortion and the legalization are consistent with that view. This same woman was the, a woman who was a, a main contender for the redefinement of marriage between a man and a woman. And she, I put in brackets, married. Her partner, whom she met in 1981, who was a former Catholic nun, and they both met in the Jesuit-run Boston College. Destroying the building blocks of our nation, the family unit. So down to the word, it vexed me. And I says, Lord, can you not give these messages to someone else to preach? I'm always getting into trouble. Give them to somebody else. But I've no choice in the matter. We are the voice of the unborn child, brothers and sisters. Listen. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6, speaks of the omniscience of God. He knows all things. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10, speaks of the omnipresence of God. He's with us all in all things. Psalm 139, verses 11 to 13, speaks of the omnipotence of God. He is all-powerful in all things. Psalm 139, verses 18 to 14, shows the omnibenevolence of God, that God loves. He's a God of love. God is love. Psalm 139, verse 1, says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me 
and known me. Thou hast searched me and known me. Verse 23, at the very end of the chapter almost, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Then in the last verse, he says, And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Those clergy who stood at that abortion clinic and called it holy and sanctified, prayerfulness, and of God are none other than the emissaries of Satan himself. And if God was to search them through his word, if they were to read it through the eyes of the Spirit, they would find that they are men and women who are destined for destruction themselves. Here the psalmist says, Thou hast searched me, and you will search me again. It gives the idea of a complete total search from start to finish. David says, search me, O God. Now, the term to search, we need to look at that. You might say, what has this really got to do with an unborn child? I need you to listen, to catch this. Because I've read this, I know, many times, and I could see how this speaks of a child, but I caught the spirit of it. And I couldn't get rid of it all week from last week. It caught me. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says here about searching, the searching of God. Listen to what he says. Searching seems to imply a measure of ignorance which is removed by observation. Of course, this is not the case with the Lord. But the meaning of the psalmist is that the Lord knows us as thoroughly as if he had examined us minutely and pried into the most secret corners of our being. This infallible knowledge has always existed. Notice what he's saying here. This searching of God is not that God is ignorant of one thing, but that he knows all things, yet he is so personal in all things. The little baby in the womb, God knows every single one of them. God knows every single one of them. Look at what it says in Psalm 139. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Notice, Thou knowest my down-sitting, mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path, my lying down, and aren't acquainted with all my ways. For lo, for there is not a word in my tongue, O Lord. Thou knowest it all together. You know what David is saying here? The psalmist is saying, Lord, you have known me from past to present, and you always will. You have given me life. Personal God is personal with David, and since David has become, let me say, aware of Yahweh, aware of God, a relationship has formed, and David realizes there's a relationship formed. In fact, David not only realizes it, but he is now coming to know the Lord more and more with experiential knowledge of Him. 
God knew David from before his birth. God knew David when he was in his mother's womb. And he's saying, you are the one who has created me. Thou knowest all things. Yes, he's the God who is omniscient. He says, but thou knowest me. The wonder of it all is this. God, who from verses 1 to 6 is omniscient, yet in the same verses he knows the individual, the little things, the minute details of our existence and of our lives. It all matters to him. It's all known by him. And you and I are part of it all. You might say, a little baby in a womb, it's a minor detail. Is it? Is it? The minor the detail, the finer the work. The finer the work, the more the design. I'm going to say it again for you. The minor the detail, the finer the work, the finer the work, the more the design. Oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. I am known by you, O God. I am unique to you, my Father. God knows the intimate details of our lives. So in our reading, Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, although David is a grown man in this, notice, this is what caught me. Although David is a grown man, you know me, my downsetting, my uprising. You understand my thoughts are far off. Although David sees all of that and he realizes that. And you and I can hold on to those things to encourage us. But listen, the Spirit brings him back to when he is in the womb. The Spirit brings him back to when he is in the womb. The Spirit of God through David shows us and has shown David that he was an unborn child. And that's not a big surprise to us. You were an unborn child. Dave, you were an unborn child. Aaron was an unborn child. Laverne was an unborn child. Marie was an unborn child. Ruth was an unborn child. We can go on. Every single one of us was an unborn child. And today there are thousands upon thousands of little unborn children in the womb. And they cannot cry out, for they have no voice. And the Lord says, David, you were an unborn child, son. And I knew you even before that. God knows the unborn child. God knows and hears the voice of it. It's the voice of the child speaking, saying, David, Remember when you were a boy, yes? Do you remember when you were in the womb? No. She says, but I knew you. You were still living before me. Here in verse 13 of our chapter, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. The term possessed here means you have come and created me. My reins means, it gives the idea of the innards, the kidneys. Not just we say, oh, it's deep, it's in the heart. Really, it speaks in Scripture of the 
kidneys deeper in, further down. And David's saying, when I was unaware of you, God, you were creating me. You were making me in my mommy's womb. My personality was going to form. My little body was going to form. You covered me, it means to hedge, to fence around, to protect. You've placed me in my mommy's womb and I'm hidden from view. In Job chapter 10, if you would like to turn quickly with me. In Job chapter 10 and verse 8, listen to what Job says. He says, Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. This is when he's going through a terrible time. Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Thou, hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh. Thou hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. Do you know what he's saying here? <laughs> you see, through the Spirit of God, he's saying, I know the liberalism in modern day a living says, it's just a little blob. It's a few cells and a load of atoms that have got together. And it means nothing. It has no life. It means it's not a, a human. It's not a little person. It's not a baby. And Job says, you started to fence me in. Here I am with my rib cage to protect my heart. And, and here I am with my pelvis to hold in my hip sockets. And here I am my little legs and my feet and my toes and here I am with my arms and my shoulders and my head starting to form on my peculiar and particular features. He says, oh God, you have done that with me. You fenced me in with it. In verse 14 of our psalm, verse 14 Listen to what the voice of the unborn child says. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me give you some, just some facts about the human body. If a human's DNA were uncoiled, it would stretch 10 billion miles. That is from Earth to Pluto and back again. It takes 200 muscles to take one step. Every time you step, 200 muscles have worked. 200 muscles have worked. 200 muscles. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, the human skeleton renews itself completely every 10 years. The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections. 100 trillion connections in your brain. This is more than the numbers of the stars in the Milky Way. Think about it. 
think about this. More than the numbers of the stars in the Milky Way, and you just come out of some swamp and mud puddle. You just happen to evolve from some sort of great, 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 great grandfather who was a monkey. And they think we're mad for believing in a great creator. The human body is made up of seven octillion atoms. What does an octillion look like? You have a number seven and you have an odd, and that's 70, and another one's a 700, and another one's 7,000, and so on. An oct- seven, th- seven octillion would be a seven with 27 zeros along the end of it. 27 zeros. And that's the amount of atoms that are in you and that are in me. A human heart beats over 3 billion times during the average human lifespan. 3 billion times during the average human lifespan. Pity the little baby in the womb that's being sacrificed to the gods of Molech. It's a pity that they don't get their chance, isn't it? And they don't get their choice. Everyone has a unique smell. (laughs) Moving on quickly. You have a unique fingerprint and you have a unique tongue print. Did you know that? So if you're going to break into somewhere, don't lick the window. (laughs) The human eye can distinguish between approximately 10 million different shades of color in the human eye. Nerve impulses from the brain travel throughout the body at a speed of up to 200 miles per hour. The human brain cell can hold five times as much information. A human brain cell can hold five times as much information as the Encyclopedia Britannica. The average person loses between 160 and 100 strands of hair every day. Some of you are a bit quicker than others. <laughs> I can an angel there and Lloyd and Willie there. you know what the Lord says even the very hairs of your head are numbered see the little baby who's forming hair in the womb see when our Ellie was born her hair was as dark and dark and straight and I thought she was half Chinese to be honest (laughs) she had a swarthy skin and she had this wee straight black hair and was like spiky out and I thought sure she's mine you know (laughs) The human body has 60,000 miles of blood vessels. 60,000 miles of blood vessels. Every human spent about a half an hour as a cell where life began. And at only 6 to 13 weeks, the worlds of 
what becomes fingerprints have already developed, and those fingerprints will not change throughout the person's life and is one of the last things to disappear after death. Their fingerprint. 300 million cells die in the human body every minute. 300 million cells. Humans are the only animal or mammal to produce emotional tears. The Adam was the crown of creation. We produce emotional tears at the loss of a loved one. Some produce emotional tears at a sad song, the remembrance of someone or something. We're the only living beings that can do that on the planet. Yet we do not have enough emotion to cry over our sin, to cry over the abortion of a silent holocaust of a baby in a womb. The voice of the unborn child cries, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. This so-called fetus is a baby. Brothers and sisters, this so-called fetus is a baby. It is life. It is not a fetus with the potential of becoming a human being, but it is a human being with a great potential. It is a human being with great potential. Think of the potential that's in this room, the potential of people that watch and listen to this online, the potential of the mummies who you're carrying. And I know there's some terrible situations, and, and look, we, we, we understand that, but this is life. This is a baby and says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't put me to the butcher's instruments. That's, that's rough, isn't it? That's crude, isn't it? But that's true. Don't let them crush my head. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's get real. This is what it is. Don't let them pull me limb from limb, mum. It's terrible. The voice of David here is the voice of the unborn child, the voice of God speaking. The voice of this message is the voice of the unborn child. The voice of pro-life groups is the voice of an unborn child. The voice of the church should be the voice of the unborn child. It should be every unborn child should be saying, cry for me and speak on my behalf. In Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16, both Versus the unborn child is crying and from a defenseless position. You hear that? The unborn child is crying from a defenseless position. <clears throat> My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. You see me, God. 
my substance. I'm way in the womb somewhere. I'm way in here and my substance, even the little minutest cell of me, he says, I'm life. You've given me life, Father. And here you've seen me before. Before the medical profession had all these wonderful things to show you the baby in the womb. Before ultrasound, before 3D images were, were, were done, were, were available. Before all of it, before you could see these lovely pictures and little videos of a little baby moving with his two wee eyes and his little nose and mouth and hers. And their little ears and everything forming in their features. And before it, God seen it. God seen them. The voice of the unborn baby cries, You see me? The word for substance here gives the idea, have you seen me? Bone, strength, getting stronger. Do you know what it's saying? You may not see me, but give me a chance. Look, Mom, I'm getting stronger. Look, Mommy, I'm starting to form my hands. My legs, Mom. My features, Mommy. My bones are growing. God's fancying me in. I'm starting to develop, Mom. Look. You mothers know. Women have that connection. I'm sorry, brethren, but I, I'm a father and I love my two with all my heart. And they know that, and that will never change. But I'll tell you something. See, the mother, the mother knows before the father. They feel the flutter, don't you? Do you know what that flutter's saying? I might be small, but I'm alive. I'm here, mom. I'm alive. I'm growing up. I'm getting ready to fulfill my potential that God has for me, mom. Look, here's what the child says. In verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and all my members were written. Didn't say I'm imperfect. There's no baby born imperfect. I know there's many born with disabilities. But that doesn't mean to say we destroy them. Don't destroy them. Unperfect means, he says, I'm growing. All my members and my arms are starting to grow. My legs are starting to grow. Look, God, you knew. It's all written in your book from eternity who I'm going to be. You have a plan for me and you have a purpose for me. Here's the thing. Baby's saying, you have a choice. Okay, you have a choice. You have a voice, so you have a choice. And I have no voice but the voice that people speak for me. 
and it's their choice that matters in my life. What if someone came and done violence to you? What if I walked down now, and big Aaron's sitting there, and I had him a dig in the nose? He'd probably flatten me, but after that, before that, what would happen? That's violence to him. You should all be horrified by it. You'd be horrified. You know why? Because you can see it. You can see it. We'd all be horrified. We'd be going down and saying, look at that. Ken Davidson won't hit that fella digging the nose and he's only sitting there. What did he do that for? The violence of it. That's uncalled for. Well, I think we should kick him out of the church. Yet here's people saying, let's get together and have a holy convocation. Let's all say our bit and look so holy because we'll go with the liberal flow of political correctness. Let's go with all the agendas that's hitting the church. Let's go with it now because it'll be easier in life. Well, I'll tell you, there's a judgment to come. These emissaries of the devil. Blessing. The murder squad in a clinic. My substance wasn't hid from thee. And then he says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, all my members were written. And, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when I, there was yet none of them. The idea here is that God is weaving a tapestry. It gives the idea of colorfulness. Everything of the baby, God is weaving it. And the devil who works through the liberal left agenda to tear our people down and our nation down and the church down. The devil who works through them and in them with wickedness to destroy family units. To have your children, they don't know whether they're boys or girls anymore. They say, well, we have a choice. There's many, if not most, sleep around. I'm well sure if I get pregnant, we'll just go to the clinic and kill it. Look, I know and I've dealt and I've spoken with quite a number of young women who have been through this ordeal and it's horrific for them. And it's destroyed them. But let me tell you something. They have regretted it. They find it hard to live with. We want to help them and pray for them. It's not to condemn them. It's the clinics and it is also these emissaries of the devil who's sanctifying it for their use and labeling it with the name of my God. I'm going to close. Thank you for your attention. Look, Jeremiah, the Lord said to him in Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. 
Before thou camest out, forth, forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations. Can you imagine the gifts and the talents that God has set in place for people? And they've been aborted. Well, Luke chapter 1, we have uh, Mary coming to Elizabeth, and as she speaks, the Holy Ghost causes the baby to jump in her womb. Babies don't know anything before the womb. Is that right? Isn't that strange at how we talk to the baby in the womb and they can pick up the vibration and hear it? I could tell you of the times when Allison was expecting and I thought at times one of the children's arms, legs, or feet was just about to burst through the, st the stomach. Remember that, ladies? You know that. And you're like, whoa, it's a bit... I'm glad I'm not a woman, by the way. <laughs> and these even late abortion clinics are now saying, we sanctify this to offer these children up to the glory of God. And let me tell you, Israel in the Old Testament offered up their children to Molech to appease their God. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Let me finish with this thought on God's acquaintance with the unborn child. God's acquaintance with the unborn child. Verses 17 and 18. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Not only are his thoughts precious in verse 18, pardon me, 17, and they are many in verse 18. He's acquainted with us in all of our ways. For example, in Psalm 22, Psalm 22 is the, is the Psalm of the cross. When you read Psalm 22, you can see Christ crucified for our sin. Psalm 22, Psalm of the cross. The spirit of prophecy cries through David and shows us Christ 1,000 years before he makes his way to Golgotha. And notice what it says in Psalm 22, verses 9 and 10. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Now, if this is the psalm of the cross, and David may well be speaking, but in the spirit here, he's speaking of Christ. I have seen pictures of lesbian on parade saying, if Mary had a, had an abortion, then all of this would be no problem. Now, that's the loveliness of them. Notice, since this is the psalm of the cross, Christ became man. Listen, atoms, cells, baby, flesh, blood, bone. 
Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. Fullness of time, what's that? I'll tell you about it some other time. Read Daniel chapter 9. That's the fullness of time. God says, my son will be born. I'll send him forth. And the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son, listen, made of a woman. Made under the law. Why? To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. He was the so-called fetus. He was the baby in the womb. He was the baby without a voice. But God sends forth his spirit in the hearts. He's coming. He's coming. The baby's coming. The man's child is coming. Messiah is on his way. Now listen. God sent him forth to live, yes. But God sent him forth to die that we might live. That we might live. God sent him forth that you and I would live, be redeemed, saved, blood-bought, blood-washed, that the curse of the law would not be upon us voice of the unborn child cries the same even this very evening. Folks, I have more, so much more, but I think there's enough being said. I have friends in the Republic of Ireland who listen to me on a regular basis. And I'm asking you, get as many around you and speak out speak against the amendment of the abortion law. Christian, it's time. It's time you spoke out. Stop being afraid. It's time we spoke out. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. God's going to send judgment. We're not going to offer any more of our children up to Molech. We need the Lord to send Holy Ghost fire again. Holy Ghost fire onto the nation. Ah, well, yes, no. Holy Ghost fire into his church. Into his church. Because they've become so dispassionate and fearful. They've backbones like a wet noodle at times. Ministers are afraid to bring a word like this because they know people aren't going to be happy with them and social media will go crazy with it. So I said, Lord, would you give this message to someone else? And he says, no, you're the man to do it. And I have no choice. Neither of you, Colin, and others. No choice. We need the fire of God again. We need the Pentecostal flame to come and rest on our heads and 
infiltrate our very breasts in being again. We need men and women to stand up and stand out and be unashamed and unafraid to speak for the glory of God. Thus and thus saith the Lord. Thus and thus saith the Lord. Sick and tired of mealy mouth, watery, storytelling men behind the pulpit. Tired of hearing it and refuse to listen to it. It's the Word of God and nothing else will do. Oh, you'll lose people. Well, then I'll lose people. Then we'll lose people. You'll offend them. No, I won't. It's the word that offends. It's the word that offends. Will that come back again? Well, then we'll pray that they hear it somewhere else. Oh, come on. Church, we need to be alive for Christ. We need to stand up and say, thus far and no further to the devil. We need to claim the blood over our nation and over our people and over our children. Christ is coming. And when he does, those who are not saved are lost, but those who are under these curses of these people. Oh, there's wolves in the pulpit that are not preaching the word of God. They're a shame and they're a disgrace. You know what this Bible tells me about people being saved? Oh, you're too hard lying, am I? This Bible tells me that you preach the word in the power of the Spirit, and that's what does the job. That's what does the job. We're not looking for our programs and our entertainment and our curries and our comedy nights. We're not looking for our nights in the pub to shut down the church. We're looking for the Holy Ghost to move in power. We're looking for revival in the church and resurrection for the dead outside. Resurrection of God. I'm getting carried away. I'm getting all wound up and carried away. May God give us fire in our bones again and in our breasts. May God waken up his church. Come on. What if somebody falls out of me? Well, then they're not worth having around you. It's as simple as that. They're not worth having around you. 